Hello and welcome to Stuff That They Should Have Taught You In School. And I'm your host, of course, Monsui. And today is a special episode. I've got my good friend on the podcast, Andrew Francis. Andrew Francis, I actually met him in a property networking event and I've met him uh, just a handful of times actually, but we've had some really, really good conversations. He's the founder of Morehouse Society and he's uh, obviously a professional property investor. He's just finished and is about to launch a course on Black Youth Finance. And of course, this is exactly what the podcast is all about. They don't teach you any of this finance stuff in school. And this is why you see so many people that are, uh, I think you agree, Andrew, right? So many people that just don't know what the hell to do with credit cards or any of this stuff. 100%. I was the same when I was a child in school, teenage years, even in my 20s as well. Wow. How did you actually like, um, was there any specific moment in time when you thought, you know, damn, why am I in so much debt or whatever the situation was? And did you get like frustrated at some point? And then you were like, right, I have to learn about why, what there is actually there, or this can't be the, I mean, was there anything that led you onto the path of learning about your own finances and exactly like, you know, um, finance? For me, I've always been into money, like, and I've always been a numbers person. So what I learned from my, from my mom was, always save up your money, save up your money, save up your money. And I was saving up my money. And then I got to a particular milestone. And then I was like, well, what now? I'm saving up my money. He's like, well, what do I, what do I do with it now? Obviously I, sh- I should be investing it or something. And then that's when it dawned on me, I don't know how to invest my money. So um, the story, my personal story is, I met up with an uncle that I, ha- that I hadn't known as a, ch- as a youth. My grandpa passed away, so I met him at a funeral, at her funeral, and he told me, oh, he does property investment. And I'm like, okay. So I started gravitating towards him, mm. and then I started visiting his house and stuff, and he's telling me stuff. But what I found is that, you know, as he was very inspirational, because he told me, Andrew, you can do it, you can do this, you can do that. Just go and get the property and you're ready to go. But I found that his teaching methods didn't suit me because I'd be asking questions and I found the responses to be quite vague. And that just inspired me, okay, I've got the drive now, but I need to go elsewhere to learn. And that's when I started reading yeah. books and looking at pod, listening to podcasts, etc., and building up my knowledge. Wow, yeah, I mean, I think that, let's pick that apart a little bit. I mean, you're taught to save, and I think that everyone really, a lot of people are taught to save and it's great to save yeah but really um people think that saving is the same as investing but they're completely different you really want to yeah. save so that you really want cash on the side so that you have it as essentially emergency fund and also maybe to invest but the reality with having cash in the bank um is that it goes down in value which is exactly the opposite of what investing is now property investing uh is Probably what well, we know anyway, if you look into the data that most of the rich people in the world would, maybe they haven't made their wealth in property, but they keep it in pro- a lot of it in property. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And yeah, I, what dawned on me one day is I, I had a, I had my money in the bank and I had an ISO. I think my mom helped me set up the ISO and I was getting 5% interest on this ISO. And I thought, okay, yeah, that's, that's amazing. For, uh, like thinking of the interest rates well, right now. Yeah, this was ages ago, so it was likely 
before 2008, it was probably around 2006, 2007, I'd imagine, but before the crash. And then one day I went back to my, I just looked at my balance and I was like, well, this doesn't look like 5% interest to me. What's going on here? So I went to the bank and spoke to them and said, well, what's going on? And they said, well, this ISO finished ages ago. It only lasted like two years. Wow. And I had I had my money in the bank for like five years. So for three years, I, my interest rate... Back onto like 0.1 or something ridiculous. Yeah, something ridiculous. And I was like, well, how do I get the 5% back again? And they said, well, you can't. Like, that's it. The, the That deal's come and gone. And that's when I was really like, well, then what are you not doing for me then? Well, what, what's the point? Exactly. That's the thing is that it's very... It's almost like you have to... Um, almost think in a similar way to a bank but like most people don't actually understand how the bank works it's essentially what they will do is they take your money and everyone else's and they put in you have you in your savings you see it on the screen there however much you've got even if it's like 1p you'll see it there or you've got 1 million you'll see it there but then what they would actually do is they would insure you under uk law i think it used to be under eu law at some point maybe i don't know uh, but there's an insurance under in, in the UK up to, I think, £85,000. And that's per bank that you bank with, essentially. But the rest of it is not insured. And the reason why they have to insure it, essentially, is because what they do is they pull together all that money and they lend it out. Yeah. And then they might lend it out to me to go buy a mortgage uh, or to go buy a house and get a mortgage. And then they might actually pull together that debt that they have lent out to maybe me and like hundreds of others people like me. They pull together that debt and they assess it in some sort of way. And then they actually sell that debt on to maybe another bank or something like that. So you realize that your money on the screen, yeah, it's shown on the screen. And it's just simple. It's almost like, um, you know, where you have like a Ponzi scheme and then you have, obviously it's not a Ponzi scheme, but you have a Ponzi scheme and then you have like, the next guy's money is going to pay for the first guy's interest. It's yeah. almost like that, isn't it? Um, but yeah. yeah, I mean, the banking system is um, obviously they've got to make money at the end of the day. They are businesses at the end of the day. Um, mm. But it's, you know, a lot of people don't understand exactly how it works and that you can actually be on both sides. So you can borrow from them at those low, at potentially low rate. I mean, they're not really low at the moment. I'm looking at mortgages that I'm trying to lock in one at. I think just over five percent on a commercial, and that is yeah. a, a bit high, right? <laughs> and we've locked yeah, in pretty, like what three, four percent on a resi, but still. Um, but that's exact exactly that is the bank is that they they don't even you know the way that they write all this stuff and the terms and conditions, the average man will have, or average man or average woman will have a hard time reading all of these. Uh, jargon and all of this stuff and APR and then it's like every other word you're going to have to Google and understand and by the time you're done with it that 10 page document is probably taking you two days to read and you still don't yeah. understand it I got um, I got a vendetta against banks for similar reasons that you just mentioned because <laughs> I used to think that you know my money's in our box somewhere with Andrew Francis on it. <laughs> and when I go to get 20 pounds, they go to the box and get my 20 actual physical 20 pound and give it to me. And I'm like, when I found out, you know, they're just, they're just lending up my money to other people and how they actually make their money. I, I felt betrayed. 
Yeah, it and feels like betrayal. You should, you should feel betrayed. I mean, when I first realised this, I thought, shit, they're like, you know, a lot of people out there, you don't realise it. You think it's almost like you lending money to a friend and they're telling you, oh, I need this money because I don't have any money and I want to eat some food and I'm really hungry or whatever crap. And then they go and bet on it, use it to bet or something like that. You know, it's almost one of those, like one of those situations where you, you just didn't expect it. You just didn't expect to say, okay, you know, uh, you know, the bank is the safest place. We always thought the bank is the safest place. Obviously, 2008 showed that that wasn't the case because they've overlent out. They've lent so they've only got so much in. So they're like, you know, five billion off off cash in, but then they've lent it out ten billion and they've just put it as numbers on the screen. everything in the banking system but you know we all know we all know especially everyone in the property industry would know or you'd hope that they would know that you know obviously the bank lends out the money and that's the problem is when they lend out too much or they lend out money too um where credit becomes too easily available they keep lending it out to people who cannot essentially pay it back and the only way that they can pay it back is by taking out a new loan and yeah. then the tower topples and you have a crash, right? Exactly. And it's that it's their demeanor. They come, they wear their nice fancy little suits, and they they say, <laughs> "Oh yeah, open an account with us, and we'll offer you this and blah 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 blah." But at no point during these meetings or consultations do they tell you, "Yes, we're going to take your money and lend it to someone else." Like they don't. Hmm. It's never. It's never that trans. It's not transparent at all. No, it isn't. So, maybe I don't know. I, maybe it's somewhere in the small print. But the way that they probably would say it is like it'll probably take you like fifteen sentences for them to say we basically lend, take your money and lend it out to other people. Or that when you're getting yes. the, the money that I'm I'm borrowing is actually from many other people that are mm. you know, have have then deposited their money into it. And the fact that everyone practically needs to have a bank account is yeah. more reason why they should they should be transparent. You don't literally need one, but if you want to get by in, in today's society, I think I, I would argue that you do. I mean, you have to yeah. do everything by direct debit if you want to go and pay you know pay rent and everything. Yeah, well, it's very rare, and I have met people that is surprising to see, um, and they're mainly like hanging around in the wrong crowds where they are like you know old potentially maybe 40 40 plus not not really old but you know older than than me or you and uh you know they've been on this planet for a good good few decades um and they just deal solely in cash yeah it's like how can you do that if one you know cash is is hard you know say even if you had 20 grand in in your house it's so it's risky i mean yeah keeping it in the bank is potentially is safer uh, but like it's risky because you could lose those notes you know the mold could get to them someone could come in and rob you uh, yeah. it's, hard, it's a lot harder to keep track of right and to live without a bank account is almost impossible because you need it for everything to mobile phone rent you know utility bills or everything's on direct debit anyway yeah just wages alone like yeah you're not gonna get um your employer giving you cash in hand well, it depends if you're a labourer, maybe, but yeah, it depends on the job. But then even Most then, still, it's like not happening. 
it's like they would still want like some sort of well most of them would probably still want some sort of receipt or something to show that obviously that the money that they've taken out i mean think about it two grand cash or whatever 1500 two grand three grand cash coming out of one person's bank account to then pay to you it's going to get flagged up one in yeah. one place or another right they're going to say exactly. why do you keep taking out three grand and if and if you know you're employing someone and you're paying them cash um and then you know the other employees want to get paid cash i mean you might have 10 grand 20 grand plus coming out every single month in cash and they can the banks can turn around and freeze your account and say why are you doing this what's happening here and then yeah. the other person on the other end is going to then eventually get caught out and say well you've been taking cash for so much so long and you haven't declared anything this is yeah, probably one of the reasons it's part of the system like it is it is it is and it's probably one of the reasons why uh, the world is moving towards a cashless society and probably one of the reasons why the government would want to go towards something like cryptocurrency uh, because everything is logged and it's going to make it a lot harder to money launder or any of this sort of stuff. Yeah, just Obviously, control. that's not the right thing to be doing, money laundering or any of that fraud or any of that crap. But, um, you know, cash is... Um, you used to say cash cash is king right yeah cash at the moment i mean cash is uh the inflation rate at, at the current 2022 inflation is what i think that they said i think it's 10 uh, percent now yeah 10 percent, 13 and then when you hear that figure you realize that actually that figure is made up of multiple figures and those multiple figures don't necessarily include everything yeah like for example one like we know in the property industry and i'm going to do um, a proper piece of i'm probably going to do a proper podcast just solely on this and maybe some instagram stuff on it as well but um over the last few years the laws have changed and the tax regulations have changed in a way that does not favor landlords and landlords of course are essential because not everyone one not everyone can afford to um re- uh, to buy a house not everyone wants wants to buy a house i mean personally i would not actually buy my own house i would actually rent it because i could use that capital i could pay a similar amount in mortgage or rent and i could use that capital to go and buy a, um, an, an asset whether it be property or something else or even yeah. spend it myself and you know make money out of it rather than tying that capital up in the place i'm living now obviously this is up that up to the individual um but they've done so much in the in, in the law that's basically led to a lot of people exiting the market and now you're seeing a situation where the the supply for rental properties has decreased significantly and the demand is still there if not it has increased yeah and this and like and the markets the rents are crazy they're just going up in crazy amounts i mean i had one property from may 21 i had a, a tenant move in and then they moved out end of july 22 and the market rate i mean this isn't even the best in the best area it's not even the best property it's not even had a reef it hasn't even had like the kitchen is still from the 70s and um you know it needs a new kitchen which i'll probably do in the next couple of years and you know parts of the paint as well parts of the parts of the kitchen are painted that old like green color that you used to get 
I mean, you probably remember better than me that um, for, for me, it's like everything used to be like Magnolia. As you can see, my room is Magnolia. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so this property has gone up by 14%. The rent went up 14% in the market. And I'm not even I'm not even being greedy with it. Yeah. Obviously, put probably put it up a little bit more because I had quite a lot of inquiries. Mm. And the place I had that I put on for rent, I had um, oh something ridiculous within the week. It was like 70 inquiries or something. I can't quite remember within just one week. Then I had to put the rent up. Wow. I was getting so many inquiries. Yeah. And you think and you just think wow I I do feel sorry for because it the thing is is that all these laws were made to help the tenants because at one point in time the law was very one-sided towards landlords which of course it shouldn't be it should be equal because we both need each other right mm. and now it's obviously gone the other way to help tenants but it really hasn't helped tenants it's actually yeah. harmed them and make because if i've got 100 if i've got even even if i've got 10 people ready to rent out a property or a room or whatever it is Mm. who am i going to choose i'm obviously going to choose the person that makes the most money has got a guarantor doesn't have any pets doesn't have any of this crap or that crap doesn't smoke and you know you the landlord's now got the pick yeah exactly and for the record, look, I do have I do have tenants that come and have pets, but I I self insure essentially, or mm. basically tell them like, with this one where the rent went up fourteen percent, I told them um, to basically, uh, you need to get it professionally cleaned afterwards. Yeah, was yeah, that two hundred quid or something? And then I'm happy. I don't mind a dog. It's fine for me. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. But. That's what will happen. They'll sh- they'll look at the short term to get yeah. people on their side and get the votes, but then most people won't realize the the long term effects of those decisions. Hmm. And as you're saying, it, it leads to supply going down and demand going imbalance, up. right? Yeah. And it's exactly mate, you 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 literally hit the nail on the head. It's short term thinking, and it's exactly what you see in every single government. Every single government is here for four years and it's not long enough you're literally just they're literally just here just to make it okay in the short time and get the votes yeah if they if you you took a 50 year to a hundred ideally you would take a hundred year to a thousand year time horizon and you'd say okay what is the plan over this entire time what are the key problems that we have that we can resolve how are we going to resolve them sustainably but then no one can estimate what's going to happen in a hundred years you can't you, remember, you can, can make imagine someone in a prime minister in 1922 trying to oh well in 2022 yeah you'll be able to go on the internet the internet's not even created yet do you know what i mean so yeah, a lot of the things that were there are still here now like the housing and everything is still here yeah. like the education system is still exactly the same and like yeah the, i'm sure like sewers and all the drainage and all of that stuff is exactly the same and we can see i don't know if you know about it but there's some severe drainage issues going on in this country at the moment and oh, I, didn't, I didn't know yeah i mean there's there's drains over and without all this rain that we've just had i don't know about you but like today in the last week or so it's been absolutely chucking it down so for the record yeah. we had a basically a heat wave for those listening out there we had a heat wave of 
um quite quite hot temperatures for the uk um up to about 40 degrees and now we've had a couple of days where it's been absolutely really heavy rain and um even before all of this look if you if you now when you drive around you will probably notice loads of thames water trucks with the big pumps on the back yeah let me know, let me know if you notice them after this podcast because it'll be interesting I've noticed them. yeah it'll be interesting to see um so you know uh what um what was i going to say yeah so even before that there was a lot of problems where i mean you can ask alex from the meetup as well he he literally had it in his back garden where the drainage was overflowing right and all of these problems obviously we could have and landfill and everything like there's a lot of stuff that yeah that has changed and that you can't foresee but there's also a lot of stuff that is part of the fundamental infrastructure of the world that has remained very similar So, well, speaking of long-term plans and things like that, what is what is your long-term? Do you have a long-term plan or vision? Do you have like a certain amount of people of people you want to help um, with your course, or is there anything? Um, admittedly, it's not as accurate as it should be. Like, I should have a number or whatever. Regarding the course, I just want to teach as many youth from my community as as possible. Because I, that's how I also did used to do youth work. I did youth work for 11 years. So I'm used to working with teenagers because the, the course is for 12 to 19 year olds. And then I'm a qualified teacher as well. So it's me taking two parts of my career and, and my personal interest and combining it into one. Oh. And, and this, is where I've, this is where I've landed now with um, the Black Youth Finance course. Um, just teaching as many young people as, as possible, to be honest. Even though my primary um, audience is for black youth, you know, I would do private sessions with young people from, with other, from other ethnicities as well. Like, that's not a problem to me. But it's a case of, at the moment, I feel with what's going on in the world and politics, economically, I feel that black youth require the information more than other ethnicities or more than most other ethnicities. And it's, I feel that it's just a good feel good factor to give back to my community. I've gone out and learned quite a bit and now I have the opportunity to recycle that information, that knowledge to others now as well. Mm, yeah, 100%. And I think... And I don't think enough people really know, uh, and I don't want to get into it too much because it's a heavy topic, but I don't think enough people really know uh, exactly the history of not just obviously Africa and where I'm from, India, and how the wealth was essentially stripped away. And that's why so many of these, I mean, for example, the, the Queen's Crown Jewels at the moment, they were originally from India. And they were obviously stolen during, basically, uh, you know, slavery and all this. And um, this is one of the things where Africa used to be such a rich... It did used to be a very rich country, as did India, and um, as did a lot of these third world countries, or what we call quote-unquote third world countries. And, um, you know, obviously we don't... these, These now Western countries haven't given back to that point. 
And uh, when you're struggling, a lot of the community is struggling just to eat. You're not very much concerned about learning how to save and invest or any of this stuff, right? Mm. I think yeah, it ties into it, and it's, I, I agree with you, man. Hundred percent. Like the the black community and general, again, quote unquote, minority groups, they don't have. Um, they had a lot of other struggles, especially even in this country. Like coming to this country, I'm sure you did, as did I. And even though that I'm, you know, wouldn't expect it. And even my younger brother, who's 12 years old right now, has has faced racism. And it's sad to see it, but when you, you know, if you're going to be surrounded by that, I mean, like with my dad, he had a terrible time in this country with racism. And it's like when you're surrounded like with that, you can't really focus on bettering yourself or any of that kind of stuff. You have to focus more on survival or how am I going to avoid this yeah. so I don't get beaten up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's all about, it's just all about community values. That's that's what it's all about, and if you if if you don't help your own people or your own community, then no no one else is going to, because yeah. everyone else is interested in their community. Yeah, Do you exactly. Know what I mean? You're not and gonna get individuals that want to help. You have common like struggles and you have common goals in in a way, and you know, and community community is is essential really whether it is and it's not you know obviously you can be part of multiple communities you can be part of you know where you are from originally but then also you can be part of like like we are part of the property community right or part yeah. of, like you know i'm an accountant so i would say i'm part of the accountancy community as well mm-hmm. yeah that, that's exactly it so it's just about looking after yeah your community because i'm i'm a teacher so when teachers are going on strike and that kind of stuff i'm like yeah yeah i'm, I'm with them do you know what i mean because yeah they're part of my community uh, career-wise so that's that's the idea because everyone there is a degree of selfishness or would it, you could call it selfishness with all individuals you're gonna back who you are who you believe like when football's on if you live in this country you're going to naturally support England or the country that you was born in. You're not just yeah. going to support, I don't know, um, Sweden, just for the sake of our support Sweden, because I feel like it. It's going to be, it's going to be down to something, some sort of root reason. Yeah, exactly. And I think that humans in general, we do, we do want that sense of belonging, right? Yeah, exactly. We, we, we form groups. We form groups and it's, it's always based on similarities. You know what I mean? Like most of my friends are Arsenal fans and that's not by accident because I'm an Arsenal fan and there's yeah, some sort of subconscious go. gravitation. Wait, well, hold on, you're an Arsenal fan. I think I'm going to have to stop this interview right now. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Well, who's your team? Liverpool. Yeah, we get on all right. <laughs> well, actually, look, mate. I'm actually not really into football. I only supported them because um, my uncle and my brother supported them. So I thought, again, it's the same thing. Community, right? I supported them because yeah. I had people around me, family that was supporting them. When I was younger, everyone in my school supported Man United. So guess who I supported at that time? Man United. Yeah. No, there was one that. or two people that were like, "Oh, I'm going to support Newcastle because I'm because I my family is from there or I was born there." Like, yeah. Fair 
and, and, and that's exactly it. And I find um, on an ethnicity level, I find there's a lot of communities that support each other a lot more strongly than black community, the black community. Because mm-hmm. you got, I live in Wembley and I live around the corner from a road called Elim Road. And on that road, there's a lot of Indian and Asian shops and they, they've built a community on that road. Mm-hmm. And then I live near Greenford. Greenford, there's a lot of um, Eastern European shops because they yeah. built a community. But if you go around London, there's no real concentration of of a black community. You might find barber shops and food shops, and that's that's where the buck stops, sort of thing. Yeah. No, I, so, think, I think you're right, man. And uh, I think that a lot of people do look in. A lot of people look into the Indian community because obviously we have towns like like Greenfield has got quite a lot of a quite large Indian community. We've got Southall and Hounslow, which is again quite uh, heavily. I work in Southall. Yeah. Oh, do you? Yeah, yeah. So I live <laughs> in Wembley. I work in Southall. So yeah, I'm used to seeing very strong Indian communities. Yeah. And this is something to aspire towards. Yeah, I mean, in one sense, yeah, we have got a community, but. I tell you now from the inside, um, Indians, there's a lot of, um, like, uh, there's there's just a lot of crap that goes on. There's a lot of crap that goes on. Yeah. There's a lot of like, jealousy and all this kind of stuff. And um, But, like, you know, you've seen it in, in Southport. There's huge amounts of wealth within the Indian community. Yeah. And within, like, Muslim community as well. Yeah, well, they're still human, but, you know, on a larger scale... They seem to exactly get things together a bit more. Yeah, well, we need it. I mean, I can't go to Tesco and go get my like proper seasoning and everything that I need. I have to go yeah. to Hounslow or Southall for that and to go to the proper like you know those types of shops, right? Yeah, you're not getting that from Marks and Spencers. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was a big part of the inspiration for me to get started with the course was um. The George Floyd incident that happened two years ago when he was murdered by police officers. And, you know, it just enraged me seeing what happened. And what enraged me the most was a lot of the reaction that I saw on social media. Um, the black community started Black Lives Matter. And then, you know, other groups would start saying, are oh, all lives matter? As if that, well, I'm not going to get into the dispute of all of that but that taught me that not all other communities or members of all other communities is going to support our struggle and what what we're doing so yeah. from my perspective it was a case of well we need to help we need to help us we, yeah. if we're going to get the situation that we're in we're going to have to get ourselves out of this yeah Do you know what i mean because the schools aren't going to get us out because they're teaching us jack all and I can't, I can't sit back and rely on other people from other ethnic communities to come and help issues mm. within the black, black community. Yes, it would be nice if we all sat down, held hands, and sang kumbaya and helped each other out. <laughs> but that's not the reality of it. Because no, it isn't. It isn't. If not thousands of years of history of separation and segregation between um, different ethnicities. You know what I mean? Yeah. Exactly. So that was exactly. Part of it. That was part of it. I was angry, and I just felt like 
I got to do something. Uh, what can I do? And I started yeah. doing a lot of reading. I read Martin Luther King, Autobiography, Malcolm X, and a few others. And these things just inspired, inspired me. I was like, well, these guys done so much to try and make a change. Yeah. What have I done? I've done compared to them, I've done zip nothing. Exactly. So this is yeah. my way of just trying to live up to their legendary status. Obviously, I won't. I probably will never be able to because of what they did and what they sacrificed. But you know, this is my my attempt at doing that. But you can still do something. And no, I I agree with you. It is sad. It is sad that you know. Um, that we don't support each other all as much as we really should and obviously go against the um generally speaking obviously in america the racism is still very very bad and personally mm. i have always thought that it is down to a lack of education i've always mm. thought that in the schools they don't teach you like my parents and my grandparents told me stories of exactly what happened and exactly, you know, how how the West became the West, right? And how, you know, everything happened, you know, within Africa, within India and across the world, really. And it's not just within those countries. I mean, they, there's been mass genocides in, in other countries, from other countries. And, we, you know, we learn about World War II and all of this and World War One, but we really don't learn about... I mean, that has shaped some of what is going on in the world those wars but a lot of it has been shaped before that in exactly this and exactly what you're saying i i, I agree with you 100 percent. is we have to stick together you have to stick with at least your community until you get to the point where maybe at some point you know we'll have a hippie revolution and we'll all be this you know holding hands yeah. and <laughs> but for now it's, it's not going to happen and yeah if you can just educate and it's one it's almost one of the reasons why it's like I started this podcast as well, is just to educate people because I see so much suffering out there that mm-hmm. can be avoided. And if just in fact people just understood like some basics, some basic stuff about empathy, emotional intelligence, body language, or yeah. you know, meditation, you would have half you would have half the confrontation confrontations or fights or violence that we have today. Yeah, go on. I think the vast majority of conflicts comes down to lack of knowledge and lack of education. I mean, I can't, yeah. I don't know about you, but I can't count the amount of times I've gone into an argument with a friend or family and it blows up. It, after it all cools down, you know, you always find that middle person that knows you both and they pay mediator. And then you tell your side mm. of the story and then you hear the other person's side of the story and they say, oh, I thought you said this or yeah. I thought you meant that. And I'm like, no, I didn't, I didn't mean that. This is what I meant. And then, and then, and then the other person's like, is exactly oh, that's what it. you meant. Oh, well, forget it then, isn't it? Like, yeah, that's, exactly. That's, that's and, it's, and it's all about as well, like, this is the thing, is that what you say and how you say it your tonality, your pitch, your body language as well. All of these things play into it. And if you're going to make a comment on someone, like I've, I've, I've had it before as well, you can be so easily misunderstood. And a lot of it comes from potentially the other person. It's like there's two sides to it. Obviously, you say it in a way which you don't realise can trigger something else in someone else. And obviously, you can't go around your life stepping on eggshells, but you can be more neutral, more open when you talk about things like 
uh, it's just all about how you say things really and then on then the other side of it really is that uh, how people are potentially insecure or have trauma or something that has uh, caused them to basically it's almost like reminding them of potentially a bad memory or something like that where when you yeah. say it even if you don't mean anything by it but it flags it up in their own head and then they go rah rah and here we go let's flip the table and everything lack of information lack of insight you know i think education education can heal the world yeah because then, you know just like with the finance thing you and i we're both on our separate missions to educate others about finance because if yeah. everybody knew about yeah. finance there wouldn't be a wealthy one percent and then everyone's vote would count more equally and everyone say we count more equally but the sad mm. fact is a billionaire has a billion times more say on matters that go on in this country and around the world than you and I because they have that much wealth yeah it's true i still think that even if everyone understood the fundamentals of financial independence i still think that you would see people have i still think that there would be a segregation in wealth because at the end of the day there's people out there that simply don't want to put in the effort and there's people out there yeah. that want to put in the effort 15 hours a day for 10 20 years and look yeah. i've i've put in hours and hours and hours and i still cannot see how someone could put in you know so much like for example elon musk or you know people like that that have just put in so much effort and look at the end of the day I do believe that if you are going to serve vast numbers of people, then you should be rewarded in, in wealth. Yeah. I'm, and it's not I for agree. everyone. It really is not for everyone. And also owning your yeah. own business is not for everyone. Owning property is not for everyone. But there's one thing that everyone can do, and that is get financially literate and understand exactly what is going on and how money works. And then go and invest just a little bit every single month into stocks and shares from the age of 20 yeah. or 30 to 60 and boom you don't have to rely on 100 200 pound a month on your from your pension which is actually just pennies you can actually yeah. retire yourself and be in your own in, yeah. in your own control but i would agree that i would say that look if everyone understood financial finances you yeah. wouldn't have so much poverty even in wealthy countries you still get poverty right but yeah Exactly. And maybe you would have, maybe, just maybe, you would have less uh, alcohol dependence, drug dependence. I don't know. I think um, it wouldn't eliminate, I agree it wouldn't completely eliminate the separation between the rich, the wealthy and the poor. I think it would close the gap. Yeah, it would close the gap. Because most wealthy people or large corporations rely on the ignorance or bad practices of poorer people mm. you get, that's why you get a lot of um you get a lot of um entrepreneurs that say i wouldn't let my children use the products that i make so yeah. it's the case of i'll make this product my children ain't going to use it because i know what it does but i'll let i'll let your children use it sort of yeah thing. and then that's the parents yeah those children that don't know what that aren't educated on what that item or service does, mm. they're letting their children use it. So it's, it's all down to information. It's a, it's a strange 
It's a strange one. It's just, yeah. Sometimes the other thing is as well, like to note, I think it's a good point to make, is yeah, education, all this stuff is great. However, you see that you see situations where you're like, okay, people know that like smoking is bad, or people know that eating McDonald's is bad for you. But then why do we still do it? That's all that's psychological. And that's to do with self-esteem as well. And um, you know, if you don't view yourself in a high regard and you don't love yourself in a high regard, and that's you a very will good let yourself point. You'll let yourself go and be overweight yeah. or underweight, or yeah, you'll smoke like a chimney because you don't have, you don't put much value on, on your on your life on your own or self. You yeah, exactly. Yeah, not no, for everybody. Good. I don't want to. I don't feel a smoker to watch this. And be like, ah, I care about myself, but no. Um, I mean, well, look. At the end of the day, it's the person's choice, and I think that you have got a point yeah. there. I mean, there are there are people I know that smoke, and they're like, look. I actually just don't want to, I don't want to live till 60 years old. I would happily die at 40 or 30 and, yeah. um, and, and smoke away or do whatever. And it's like, you know what, you, you do what you, you do, whatever you want. But I think you definitely do have a point there is when you, if you associate yourself and you say to yourself, okay, I am X. So for example, if I said to myself, I am a healthy person or I am, I am physically fit, I am physically and mentally fit then there's certain things that I wouldn't do. Or if I were to say that I might, you know, every single day, my mental, my mental, um, you know, my, my mind is very clear and very fast and very efficient. Then there's certain things yeah. I wouldn't do. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't associate with myself, especially not in a regular basis, maybe once in a while, but like, for example, drinking would be completely out of the question because I wouldn't associate, you wouldn't associate someone who drinks with someone who's got potentially a clear mind the next day or who yeah. is healthy right so you know it's up to the individual exactly and this is the thing is define who you actually want to be and then work and then work towards it and it doesn't have to stay the same like today yeah. i could say i want to be uh you know really healthy and i want to eat really healthy and i might do that consistently for maybe five years and i maybe just like you know once every two weeks maybe i'll eat out or i'll have a bit of crap food but the rest of the time I'll eat and maybe after five years, you know, I'll be very fit. I'll be able to run marathons or whatever. And then I decide, actually, I don't want this life. I want to change it. And now I'm going to associate myself with something completely different. Yeah, it's all about self-reflection because, you know, like regarding my course and yourself with the podcast, you and I, we could teach a thousand people about financial literacy, but only 10% of them may just turn around and say, I'm actually going to go do that because mm. the other 90% will likely feel to themselves, property is not for me. I'm not good enough to do property. I'm not good mm. enough to do stock market. I'm supposed to be a, super, a retail supervisor. It's the mindset. It's you know, the mindset. It's, it's the mindset and the, the love as well, the self-love as well. Yeah, and the self-esteem. And this you is what, I, mean? So what you even... I mean, this is the exact this the thing is like you are brought up by your parents who are brought up by their parents and all of these and go on, so on, so on, so on. And all of it essentially comes down to people not understanding that, especially when you're a kid, if you're gonna say like negative things to a child all the time, that's stupid, you're stupid, 
don't you know why would you you know all of the, all the, you can think of a thousand different things that you could say to a kid that would harm them and yeah. it, in comparison now well now not in comparison but now you see people's net naturally they will come and they'll say i can't like for example i i play musical instruments and i've taught people that have not even ever touched you know a piano i've taught them how to play a little uh, you know a scale and then they can have fun with it and they can improvise and they can enjoy themselves yeah. and then the other people there i say look you want me to teach you this it literally takes five ten minutes they're like nah i can't I'm, i don't do that or even in maths like i don't do maths i can't do maths well look i'm sorry to say if you have the mindset to say i can't do maths you're pretty much screwed because everything yeah. around you is, is maths you know you can't you have to you have to be able to unless you're going to go and live in the woods and go dig a hole for water and you know go kill animals and eat them and make a fire from scratch you need to be able to do some maths you need to be able to understand finance and well not necessarily finance in depth but just the basics and you need to be comfortable with numbers and that's the, yeah, it's just a block isn't it universe. It's just even with block. your example about living in the woods and setting fires and those kind of things you still yeah. got time how long to cook the rabbit for now if you've gone out and yeah. hunted a rabbit you've got time how long you've you got to cook the rabbit for now that's numbers you can't get away from numbers it's impossible you know just, give me, one, you just to... give me one second one second but yeah no, it's literally that man this mindset is so key and it's literally like you know you can teach you you know you can teach people finance you can tell them why it's good why they need it and all of this stuff but then at the end of the day the majority still won't take the actions needed and yeah. there's two reasons why i think that that is and what and look i may be wrong and i may actually learn this more later in life but there's two reasons there's one mental block and two, is that the pain of where they are right now is not great enough. I've always been a strong believer in people only change when um, the pain to change is less than the pain of where they are right now. And right. for most people in this world right now, in England, they can get by. You know, yeah. we can all get by. I mean, look at it. We're so lucky. I woke up this morning. Look, I'm wearing clothes. This, you know, it's not in, 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 in uh, you know, I'm not wearing rags or anything like that. You know, I've yeah. got a good laptop, good phone. I've ate enough food. And what if I'm hungry even more so I can go eat some more? Mm. You know, we've got everything, really. If I stop working today, the government is going to pay me. Yeah, It's so easy. It's just so easy yeah, to do not nothing, cool. to stay as you are. So there's got to be some drive somewhere, uh, either mentally or that the pain of where you are is just so great that you need to do something to change. I think it's conditioning as well, to be honest, like from media and a bit from school as well, because you go through the school system and the, what all my teacher ever told me is you go to school, get your GCSEs, you go to college, you go to university, you get a job, you have children, then you retire and drop dead. And it's like, well, where's the part about me starting a business? Where's the part about me um, traveling the world? Or And what they'll say is, oh, no, that's you know not I mean? for you. You're not the type to do that or some bullshit. Yeah. So that's conditioning. And then yeah. even like television wise, you always get that rich person. The person that's rich or good with the money always gets ridiculed. 
they were tight ass. They're they're Scrooge McDuck. They're Grinch. Yeah. They're Mr. <laughs> Burns from The Simpsons. I I so would I would I would like to see where these these connotations actually come from because well not connotations where where this sort of stuff comes from because I may I have a feeling that these sorts of things were probably put uh put like placed in there carefully from very wealthy people to potentially stop other people aspiring to become like that because they're hated on by the masses it's the it's the system it's the system because even like me growing up i've always been pretty good with my money i've always been quite frugal with my money and growing up all i did was get slated oh i'm morphing it all i did was get slated by friends and family oh you're so tight because they'll be like oh let's go do this i'll be like no that's not within my budget and they're like oh you're so tight you're this you're that and blah, blah 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 but now going on now me being in my 30s and I've started investing my money, they're looking at me like, oh, this is why Andrew's been tight all this time. And now they wish yeah. they were doing <laughs> what I was doing. So the tables yeah, exactly. are turned. Exactly. But I understand they've been conditioned to believe people that save up their money and quite tight with their money and save up their money comes with a, ne- a negative stigma. Hmm. And it's all about being cool, having the latest this, the latest that, and oh, you know, God, you're in the yeah. club, yeah, yeah, drinks on me, right? here's a round of drinks on me. When I go out to a club, I don't do rounds of drinks, I buy my drink. And I say, you buy your drink, you buy your drink, because I'm not buying all six to you a drink, and then I'm only having two drinks in one night. Well, that doesn't make no sense. Yeah, exactly. So I'm having two drinks in the night, but I've got to buy all six to you a drink. So now I've bought eight drinks, and I'm only, I've only drank two of them, or, uh, the, the mess wrong, but yeah, you get where I'm coming from. <laughs> I'm yeah, for everybody. Yeah. If I'm driving that night and I'm just gonna have two drinks, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I get literally. slated for it. Yeah, you do, Proper you do. Slated. You know what? I literally have the same thing in my friend group, and it's funny because we've turned it now into an ongoing joke. Is because I, I'm, a, I'm again like I have been known to. Well, well, I have more of a mentality where I will save where on things like alcohol, which I don't really care too much about, but I'm going to spend lots of money on things that I do care about. Um, and uh, and I've now, over the years, they've realised that when I go out, and there's been time and time again where I've gone out, spent no money. I just ask for tap water. I'm just like, can I have a tap water? Yeah. And now it's, an in, now it's almost like an inside joke. People are like, oh, should we ask for a tap water? And we're like, oh, one tap water. Or, or we like go, <laughs> go to the bar and we're like, oh, what do I want? What do I want? And we're like, oh, what do we want? Well, maybe try that. Oh, can I try that beer? And they let you try it. But, um, and then you like, think about it for like five, 10 minutes. You're like, all right, well, I'll just have one tap water, please. Mm. And, you just, and there's been so many nights, man, where I've had my, and I've spoken to my mates, I'll be like, like yeah i spent 100 pound today i'll turn around and be like yeah i probably spent about 40p on petrol yeah where's that 100 pound that i saved going either to invest in myself or into invest in assets exactly or to spend on what i actually enjoy like for example play like in a musical instrument or a good computer equipment that um i used to spend money and regret it i used to actually have like real difficulty spending money and i think i spoke to you about that maybe i spoke to you about this before i can't remember um and i used to have real difficulties that you feel like proper guilt inside you when you spend money and um it's a very 
a difficult feeling and uh, a hard feeling to well for me it was quite hard to get over that but then eventually i did and like for example this macbook that i bought last year i bought it when it was basically brand new and um cost over two grand but i don't regret it at all and then since then i've spent more money on uh, other computer equipment i spent another like stupid money on like docks and other stuff and i don't and i actually don't care at this point because i use it on a daily basis yeah. it provides with me so much value it's so much easier for me to do my work before i was using my boss's 2013 macbook air now i hope he doesn't listen yeah. to this episode and even if he does i don't care <laughs> he's probably well he's not the type to listen to podcasts anyway um so you know <laughs> i was using that and it was so slow it was so bad and like when i was running yeah. multiple things on it buggy into a big screen you could hear that thing heating up heat up the whole room whereas this is like you yeah. know i know it will last me 10 years and all the other bits and pieces i've bought you know but then to spend that much money over time on alcohol or cigarettes or going out for fancy meals once in a while yeah but depends on what you value that's that's me as well when i'm spending i will measure how much value for money I'm getting out of it? How much pleasure will it bring me? And then, yeah, how practical is it? So like you with the computer, I will spend good money on a good computer because I want, the computer's a practical tool. So it's, I want it to be fast and I want it to be crash proof. I don't want it crashing on me and I want to be able to put as many programs as I want on it, etc. But like with a phone, I don't need the, the most um, exclusive, up-to-date phone just to send mm. WhatsApp messages and take phone calls. <laughs> yeah. And that's practically what I use my phone for. Like, yeah, as long as it, can, it can access yeah. Instagram and WhatsApp and make phone calls, I'm fine with the phone. Exactly. So that, that's me. I, want, I, want, I, I, don't, I've not, I can't remember the last time I bought a brand new phone. It's been years. I buy my phone secondhand now. I've and, never bought yeah, a brand like, new phone, actually. The only time I bought a brand new phone was recently, but that was as a gift for my mum. And yeah. I haven't actually bought, a, I've only had hand-me-down phones for at least my last five, six phones were hand-me-downs. And I'm on an iPhone 12 now, iPhone 12 Pro, I think it is. And it's still a hand-me-down. Yeah. That's, that's, the, that's the way to do it. And that's what I teach on the, that's what I teach on the course. Cause you know, young people in particular, they want the newest this, the newest that. And I'm like, part of the course, I'm like, Stupid. how to negotiate. It's your, yeah, okay. You're going to go into debt just so that you can show to other people, oh, I've got a phone. It's like, congratulations, who cares? No one really. I can go and buy, yeah. Yeah, go and spend 1400 pounds on a brand new iPhone. Or you can just go and buy an iPhone X or an iPhone 11 or something for like three, 400 quid. I mean, yeah, it's still yeah. a decent chunk of money, but you know, it's, it's, a, it's like, you know, less than half really. It's like a third of what you could spend on a brand new phone. And I, I could say the yeah, same thing about the computer, really. Yeah. I could have bought a secondhand computer, but I chose to buy a brand new one because I wanted the peace of mind. Uh, it's different with yeah. a phone really. Um, a phone is like you can easily buy a second-hand phone 
back when I was yeah. actually did buy phones, I did buy multiple secondhand phones, um, and they work absolutely fine. You get so many refurb. Even you can go to Apple and buy a refurb phone from Apple. Yeah, and and one other thing that I told him on the course regarding spending is like we discuss assets and liabilities but not financial assets and liabilities just assets and liabilities in general and I say I read the definition the definition of an asset is something or someone that is valuable and then a liability on the dictionary says something or someone that is um detrimental they don't use those exact words but something along those lines and then so that's one point for during the course I say well are your friends assets or your friends liabilities which ones are assets and which ones are liabilities which ones are mm. bringing value to you and which ones are holding you back do you know what I mean because when you're young you always got those sets of friends that are telling you right oh look at your trainers they're beat up oh look at this oh you need a new haircut you need this you need yeah. that and then you got the other friends that will tell you now nah, you're fine you'll, you'll, you'll be all right or you got the friends that tell you let's go to class on time and you got the other friends that tell you ah don't why are you going on time for you're yeah nah, well, Mr. Goody that, Goody or whatever. no I've, that's so, really good actually i've never heard of assets and liabilities defined that way my my definition was purely financial but that is a very good but yeah i mean i i totally get it man it's literally and it's obviously a point to make is like who you hang around with is who you become. So you're going to hang around with people. I mean, like, honestly, I've, I've had this in my, in my life where I've realized I've been hanging around with the wrong people and I've seen certain people do certain things and like, they just, it just makes you think and just like stop me. Like, for example, one time I was in, um, I used to hang around with these people and then like, they were like, you know, decent human beings they had decent morals and he took me around to this other guy's house went around to his house and he had looked like he had like loads of money and stuff he was like yeah i spent two grand on this tv and then he somehow got the sound system as well for like free so he spent he got like and then he had like a nice flat in queue in fact it was in queue i still i literally still remember where it was and yeah. he was like oh um you know i don't do any um what my mate was going to go out for a cigarette and then he was like oh no i don't i don't smoke or anything like that i just drink and that's it i just drink a little bit and then suddenly he got a phone call and the guy's mood switched like that it was crazy and guess right. what just started smoking crack in front of me and then at that point i was like i was like shit i was like i'm going home and i never spoke to that person again the person that took me to that to that guy's house yeah. And what's really messed up is that the guy that took me to the guy's house, um, he actually looked after his brother that was disabled in a wheelchair. And like right. he was so disabled that this guy would actually like wipe his ass and stuff. Which is obviously hats off to, to you for looking after your brother like that or looking after anyone. Yeah. Like but, you know, even though that you can be so giving and I've seen you do that, if you're taking me around and you're hanging around with people like that, uh, you know, it's then yeah, I haven't spoken to him since. And yeah. it's one of those things where you say, okay, that friend is definitely a liability, you know, whereas then yeah. you have other friends who are like, well, 
you know, what have you done? What, how, how have you progressed this week? And just by saying those kinds of questions, you look for pro- progress. And then all over time, you're asking yourself that question. How have I progressed? How have I progressed? And then guess what? You actually do progress. Instead of, well, oh, uh, you know, let's go and get drunk or whatever crap. They, they say you're the, you're the middle of the five people you spend the most time with. Yeah, you're yeah, the average of the five people. You, yeah. This is that totally true. Feather, fly together, all those kind of phrases there. Yeah, so that, that's that's what it is. I mean, you know, you go to the meetup as well, and because I don't go so often, I come up there feeling very inspired. And I'm like, even though on a social level, I may not have much in common with those that are there, but on a property and business and investment level, it's like we're connecting and it feels so invigorating being around like-minded people Mm. because within my personal social circle I'm the only one that's doing what I'm doing Mm. regarding buying property and stock market I may have one or two associates that are doing that but my core set of friends I'm the only one that's doing that and when I speak about these kind of things um, I can't speak about it with them they don't get it yeah the, the, the reaction isn't oh why are you doing it's that nowhere near like the property meetup yeah you know, exactly. they, look, they look at me like oh wow you're doing really well and that kind of thing whereas when I go to the property meetup they say yeah you're doing really well but oh but you should try doing this and you should try doing that and they challenge me and I'm yeah. like oh, well like alright cool or you have it the other way around where you have people that obviously done nothing they're like wow you've done really well and then you've got and then you look at other people that have done so much more than you and you're like wow i really haven't done anything <laughs> yeah i just feel i feel like i'm a big fish in a small pond and then when i go property meet up in places like yeah, that then there's the other I'm way like, around. okay well there's a there's a notion out here yeah you know I, i'm trying to be like you now i've got, I've got to get to to your level yeah 100 100 percent well, look, I think we've been talking for about an hour or so, so we should uh, wrap up. Um, yeah. But it's been a it's been a very good chat. There's been a lot of um, things that you actually taught me as well during this conversation. And uh, perhaps we should do another episode once you do launch as well. And uh, we'll talk a bit more about it or whatever. Yeah. Can I do a quick plug? Yeah. Um... So my course is Black Youth Finance and there's my poster, it's all blurred out because it's going with the background. But Black Youth Finance and you can give me a ring on 07938048914 or you can go onto my Instagram. There's some Black Youth Finance, all one word, on Instagram. And also if you want to reach out to me by email, it is morehouse society at gmail.com more spelled m-o-o-r house and then society at gmail.com so you can get at me via there if you wish to and um i'll be happy to accommodate you and answer your queries and all of that information that he's just said will be in the show notes as well and i'll see if i can get a picture of your poster in the show notes as well if not we'll work something out at least it will be somewhere at least 
Um, oh, thank you for inviting me on. It's, um, no, thank you for coming it's on. It's been a wonderful, really, really good chat. It's been, I mean, every time I've had a chat with you, it's been really good, but this time was especially good, I think. Um, so no, thank you, thank you so much for coming on. And I do want to get you on again as soon as you've as soon as you've launched. And um, yeah, in fact, I we should meet up one day, and I'll I'll have a look through your course as well, and um, and and look maybe I'll learn something. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. We can do that. All right. Well, thank you, Andrew. Everyone, you have been listening to stuff they should have taught you in school. I've been Monsui with Andrew Francis, uh, um, founder of Morehouse Society, and of course, he's got his course coming out very soon. I hope it's about to launch. I think uh, Black Youth Finance, and all of the information will be in the show notes. So please do check it out. And uh, leave, us a, leave us a review or even email me and tell me what you thought of the podcast. Yeah, smash a like and follow. Best <laughs> podcast in England. There we go. Thanks. Do it Thanks. now. <laughs> Wait.